Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. You feel proud that this is your business, but you also have this unstoppable force in you that just wants to share what you're doing with the world and that enthusiasm has a really powerful impact commercially. Hello and welcome to the show. In this episode we talk about the hot topic of rebranding and Fee has got this whole area nailed. We're working with a new recording setup this week to make it more sustainable for us to keep recording remotely. And we haven't quite figured out the sound in Fee's beautiful office yet. So apologies if it sounds a little bit like she's in a cathedral, but we are working on it. We explore what you should be thinking about if you're considering a rebrand and the reasons why you might need to. We touch on why it's time to rebrand, whether you should be thinking about one brand or many. We explore the architecture of your business and how your branding can really support you in that. We talk about the scope of a rebrand and all the different facets that come into play. And most importantly, we really hone in on the importance of strategic thinking and what clarity can do for you and how to get the right clarity up front. It's a great episode. We really hope you enjoy it. This is something that... I've been desperate to get into because I think it's so applicable to certainly so many of my clients, but so many businesses and you have got this whole thing covered. (laughs) Uh, Today we are talking about rebranding. Yes, we we are. And there's there's such broad scope for this. Taking our own advice, we've got several muses in mind that will hopefully mean that we we can touch on all the different variations of what this might look like for various businesses. But maybe let's start at the beginning. Why should a business be thinking about a rebrand and how do they know it's time? Well, I think ideally you won't be thinking about a rebrand. You know, rebranding, if you get your branding right in the first place, I always think that it should last you a good decade, really. Mm. So, you know, if you if you approach that original brand in a way where you've been quite strategic, you've found your magic, you know what sets you apart, and you've worked with a designer that thinks and is able to execute design at a strategic level, and they're able to create the right impact. Unless your business changes direction significantly, you won't need to rebrand, I reckon, for about a decade. So that's the first thing is, this is not something everyone's going to be thinking about on an annual basis, and they shouldn't be either. Amazing, that's um, great. But you had a second half to your question. <laughs> yeah, well, how do people know when it's time? Yeah, okay, so that, that's the crux of it, isn't it? I think there's various reasons that you'll know that it's time. I think the first thing is, as I mentioned, you've changed direction. And you you get the sense that the brand that you've got, the way that you're putting yourself out there just isn't connecting 
in the right way anymore. Mm. Maybe it's literally saying the wrong things about you. Mm. Maybe you're missing opportunities. People aren't seeing you in the way that you'd like them to see you. Maybe, maybe you're hearing that you've, you're losing jobs to other people. Mm. Maybe you've got that uncomfortable sense that everyone else in your industry has these fabulous, shiny brands and, and it just makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and a bit inferior and you know you're the nuts and you want to get back out there. So mm. I think that's that's definitely one side of it. I think also what happens is that rebranding is often a celebration of everything that you've achieved you know so you've you've branded your business at the start you've built something extraordinary and now your brand needs to catch up and and help mm. you get to that next level so I always think you know it almost should be a bit 30 20 30 percent further ahead than where you're at right now so that it gives you something to grow into mm. So those are two two reasons you'll know it's time to rebrand. The other one is that you never really did it properly in the first place. You know, you you rush, either you rushed something out, maybe, you know, and I, I don't say that in a judgmental way. When you're starting a business and, and you're doing it from a spot where you feel quite blind about it, you know this is what you want to do, but you don't really know what form it's going to take. Sometimes we just need to whack up a website you know, download a pre-made logo and just get started. And there shouldn't be any shame in that. Sometimes that's absolutely the right thing to do. And and what you'll often find is a year into that business, you've suddenly got a lot more clarity on who you're talking to, what you want to be known for, where your space is in the market and where you want to go. And you need a brand that that does that for you. And, and that is a rebrand, but I almost feel that that's, almost starting from scratch. Yeah. And I guess the final reason leading on from that with rebranding is that you want to take your business in a different direction and you want people to see you in a different way. Yeah. And I guess that's the kind of, that's the true sense of rebranding, isn't it? It's not just about a makeover. It's very often about a change of direction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've, You've given us some really clear markers that will tell us that it's time to start thinking about this stuff. Maybe they're external. You're getting feedback from clients or you're not getting the jobs that you want. Maybe you've got that internal feeling that your brand, you're not as proud of it as you want to be and you're not as confident in it. It's not winning you the work that you want to get. Your business has to catch up um, maybe with where you've moved to. So you're wanting to really showcase what you do well or there's this piece of you're wanting to be more aspirational and and you're you've got more clarity around what you stand for now so almost like a starting again yeah. rebrand is there any other signals that we that might be more subtle that we wouldn't necessarily make us think actually I need to look at how I'm putting myself out there I'm thinking more about the architecture of a business not necessarily the visuals of something so maybe around people's offerings and how they might be portraying those. And I'd also like to dig into the question of one brand or many, because I think that can come up, can't it? When yeah, we totally. Let's come back to that, because I think one of the other things that I've sort of touched on that's worth drawing out a little bit more is you want to take your business to the next level. 
So mm-hmm. I've got a client in Australia at the moment who sells organic skincare and she didn't actually think she needed to fully rebrand. So I think we can come back to that idea later, but she, she wants to grow her business quite significantly and mm-hmm. she knows that she needs to step up her packaging to get right. there. And actually there were, there were lots of layers to that that maybe we'd come back to later. So I think if your ambitions for your business have changed, that's definitely, that's definitely a time, you know, if, if you're, your logo or your branding or the way that, you know, the whole package of how you're communicating through the words, the photography, the website, all of it, the packaging, mm. the signage, the colours, the typography, the typefaces, all the patterns, all those things. And even the name, potentially. The name, yeah, yeah. Particularly if you've got quite a literal name. Mm. Um, you know, the, the print franchise I had the minute I stopped focusing on print and started focusing on design, the name was a real issue. (laughs) It was like a winner if you were looking for for print. Yeah, (laughs) I remember when we shifted that and it was a massive game changer, wasn't it? Yeah, it massively was. So so there's that side of things where your brand isn't not working at the level that you're at at the moment, but if you've got a big vision and you want to take it forwards, maybe it needs to step up. Hmm. The other thing is maybe your business has changed and the things that make you unique, the things that have people coming to you are different. And so the way that your brand is communicating, Mm. sending out, it's not so much that sending out the wrong signals, it might just be missing opportunities. Yes. I'm also thinking about another client of both of ours, actually, who wants to change the impression of the sector that they're in. Yeah. And so the nature of what they're offering is fairly similar. Yeah. But they want to project that in a way that changes people's perceptions yeah. around how that's So they've perceived. got a big vision and they they've need their comms to catch yeah. up with it. So that, yeah, that's another one. And then the final thing that, that you alluded to earlier is this brand architecture. So how your brand is set up. And, you know, I periodically talk about setting up a Fiona Humberstone website to to sort of cover off the higher end consultancy that I do. You know, Mm. should that be different to the downloads on the Brand Stylist website? And, you know, every now and again, we come back to it. And then every now and again, we feel like, no, it's the right thing. But sometimes there will be tension in your Mm. mind, not even necessarily how it's being portrayed externally but there might be tension around you know can I do this really high-end stuff well you know whether that's hand printed wallpaper and fabric or whether it's high-end brand consultancy Mm. and also does it make sense that on the same website I'm selling downloadable ebooks for 15 20 pounds yeah how how does that architecture work does it make more sense to keep it as one am I talking to the same people or does it make more sense actually that I split the two out and then I create something really compelling Mm. for each market well I'm thinking as well about a florist that I worked with a few years ago who was very passionate and brilliant at wedding floristry but also in her heart was really committed to creating beautiful flowers for funerals and we had to separate those two 
brands out because a bride does not want to come on to a wedding florist site and see funeral flowers and vice versa so it was the same floristry style but because the market was different we we had to create two separate brands for that and you often see photographers doing that actually if they're a wedding Mm. photographer again a bride wants that whole thing to be all consuming you know it is all consuming for them so and you know, you wouldn't necessarily put the brand photography alongside it. You would you would put newborn photography alongside wedding photography because mm-hmm. that makes sense. You're talking mm. to the same people, but you don't often have much crossover between wedding clients and brand clients. Yeah. So what you're really talking about here, that's coming through quite strongly, is the considered strategic approach to this that means you're not just looking at the aesthetics and even the magic that you want to communicate within your brand but you're looking at the scope of your offerings and how that messaging is going to be subtly communicated and this tension that you're speaking about so this really is a strategic piece isn't it yes when we start thinking about rebranding obviously we're thinking about aesthetics we're thinking about generally how are people going to see this business and I'm in the business of aesthetics. That's what you know, that's what people expect. But the challenge you've got is if you just head straight to your nearest designer, illustrator, website designer, web developer, without putting in the strategic thinking first, you're not going to create mm. a rebrand that either realises the potential in what you've got to offer or that is going to last the distance. Yeah, okay. Okay, so when we're thinking really strategically there'll be a clear process that underpins that and and you have that sort of flow that you would take someone through in your process. What does that look like for you? So the first thing is you want to be thinking about why are we rebranding? You know, what's what's the end game? What do we need this to achieve? And Mm. within that then, we're thinking about what is it that sets this business apart? So what's their magic? What's their space in the market? What's their edge? What do they do better than anyone else? What's going to have people coming to them over anyone in the market? Because mm. a strategic brand will communicate that at a subconscious yeah. level. It will attract the right kind of people without really having to say anything. So the words are a bonus. Mm. So you've got to get that thinking right first. And um, on my website, we've got the Brand Clarity Workbook, which is free. They can work through that. So there's a Brand Clarity course. But, you know, you've got to start with that strategic thinking. What is it that sets us apart? Who is it that will value that? And there's a real... Mm. That's... Maybe draw that out in a minute because that's really important and mm-hmm. what do they need to see? And I think particularly if you're rebranding, I think you'll know this in your gut because you'll have that sense of discomfort that what your brand mm-hmm. is saying at the moment isn't capturing that. So this will be quite an easy question to ask, I would answer, I would say. But what is it that people need to see to take mm-hmm. you seriously? And it yeah. might not just be clients. It might be a magazine editor. It might be mm-hmm. an influencer. What is it that sets me apart? Who am I talking to? How does my brand need to feel? Those are the mm. key things. And you you want to really, you know, there's lots of clarity and context and 
things to think about here. But ultimately, you want to get it down to three words that capture the essence of your brand, what sets it apart, what the business is, and three words that capture how you want the brand to feel. And when you're looking then for a designer, you can look through their portfolios and think, does this feel right? So before before you do the designer stage, you want to create some kind of vision that isn't something that you're going to hand over to a designer and say, please, can you create this? Because unless you're really skilled at this, that's not going to bring out the best in the designer. But what Mm. I quite firmly believe that the vision piece does is gives you, the entrepreneur, a sense of what would feel right for my brand and what does that look like? And therefore, what am I looking for in a designer's portfolio? So, you know, what, what sometimes happens... We hope less so since the publication of How to Style Your Brand. But what sometimes happens is that we go straight to our local convenient designer or someone that's been recommended because they used to work for Coca-Cola or someone, you know, a friend of the family or, you know, all these tenuous reasons for working with someone. And then we find that we struggle. We don't get what we needed. And Mm. actually, if we can be led first by what's going to feel right and then well what does that look like and who whose work who does this work you know who's already mm. doing this because if you ask someone that's good at this to do something gorgeous for you chances are they'll nail it if you ask someone yeah. whose work is very polished and very clean and very modern to to create a brand that needs to feel I don't know, rustic and warm and wise and soulful, they're going to struggle. You're not going to get what you need. So, you know, going mm. to the right person is essential. And that that is definitely partly about portfolio. It's partly about skill and expertise and experience. So looking, mm. why have they done what they've done? Do you get a sense that they're able to really capture the nuances in a brand are they it's what they're saying does it make sense so look at how each project makes you feel and think about is that what they're saying mm, does it stack up with their brief yeah yeah because the good designers will explain why they've done what they've done and it will all stack up mm. and actually if you're struggling in a sea of not knowing where to look then the brilliant brand designer edit is a good place to start. There's that, there's um, lists in the back of both my books of the designers that I've featured, that can be a good place to start. Um, Mm. But also I think one of the best places to start is your mood board. So you'll have created a mood board on Pinterest where you've drawn in not just logos. So again, the Brand Vision course talks you through this and so does How to Start Your Brand, but you won't just grab a load of logos. You're You're not looking for the detail of what this brand's going to feel like. You're mm. looking to capture a resonance, a mood. Great. Okay, so you understand what your magic is, where you need the brand to take you, who you're speaking to. You've got your three essence words. You've got your three feeling words. You've hopefully created this lovely mood mm. and this visual vision, which I know that some people struggle with if they're not of that visual ilk, but you'll have a sense so that when you're looking at portfolios of designers, you know that somebody is more likely to be able to create that feeling for you. So then you're selecting your designers on that basis. 
then what? Yeah. Well, so, so just to revisit quickly on the mood board thing and where to find a designer, you will have logos on your mood board. So click through, mm. you know, go to their Behance portfolio, go to their website and approach those designers first. Great. When it comes to brief, so you've, you know, you've picked a designer who feels excited. You, you've got a connection with them. You've got some chemistry. You like how they work, the way that they communicate matches your own preferences um when you brief them you're not saying to them i'd like a a burgundy logo please uh probably in a sans serif you know you're not saying that Mm. i feel very passionately that the briefing process should be a conversation not a questionnaire Mm -hmm. Um, i want designers to really capture the resonance of a brand and i don't believe that that happens through the written word so I would hope that there was a conversation going on and that you've got a real sense that they get me. Yeah. And, you know, different designers will have different processes, but certainly in the resonant brand process, which we've developed for Colour Psychology course, they'll come back to you with a vision. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is really key. You don't need to like everything on that mood board. But I think you want that sense of, oh, yes, that's it. You want Mm. that sense of uplift. And maybe you can expand a bit more, Elizabeth, on what that might feel like. But you Mm. want that real instant sense, this is it. Any red flag, you know, if you're not getting this sense, nip it in the bud now and, and Mm. you know, have a conversation with it. I don't mean nip it in the bud, run away from them. I mean... and get the mood board right because if the mood board isn't right what follows won't be right yeah so what how would people know that there's that sense of resonance do you want to just expand on that yeah and I think this also wraps into how you want to feel when you've got your lovely new brand identity Mm. and the and the positive impacts that that will have on your business and your confidence Mm. so I remember when your agency way back in the day rebranded for me and it suddenly made me want to start blogging again Yes, because I I was like oh my words have got somewhere to sit that just doesn't look hideous like the thing that I'd slapped together so you you want it's really important to get this feeling right because when you have a brand that feels incredible to you it gives you a sense of confidence that means that you can push the boundaries more that you And I see it as a coach all of the time that it's tough putting yourself out there. Mm. It's tough to blog or to write or to put a video or a post or even to launch a new offering. And you need as much scaffolding and as much support for that as possible. Mm. And when you have a brand that is incredible, it gives you that, that foundation of confidence. But when you're tuning in to get this resonance, it's like, you know, you have resonance when... And we find it, don't we, in, in, you know, talking about a new offering or when we're talking about a client or if I'm talking to a client about their business, a brand new client for the first time, I'll talk to them about all sorts of different aspects of their work. And then there will become this sense of something tangible between us that is the business. Mm. It's not the entrepreneur. It's something else. There's something in the space between us that has its own density of energy, Mm. if you like, that really... You know, I feel that sort of from an energetic point of view. But the reason I know I've got to that point is that 
when I'm looking at copy or when I'm looking at an image, in my gut, in my bones, it's easier to feel for when it jars. So if there's a turn of phrase that this brand, this this entity that we've created wouldn't say, it feels a bit constricting in my throat. Mm. It feels a bit snarky. It feels, it almost pushes me back a little bit. Whereas when I see an image, there's this sort of rushing. I mean, it's quite marked for me, but it might be very subtle for other people. There's sort of this rushing, uplifting, expanding mm. energy. In short, it will feel lighter, freer, yeah. more compelling towards than it will pushing back. And the more you sort of sense into this and the deeper resonance you have, the more subtle those feelings will get. And you'll start to, you know, connect with the different aspects of your body that will tell you those informations. You might just know it in your gut that it's just wrong. You'll get us kind of, uh-uh, you know, mm. that's not right. You might get a constriction in the throat, which means that something's not articulating itself right. You know, these are very sort of subtle things, but you will know if you know. If you do, if it's not right, if you don't get the, oh yeah, then it's probably not right because the thing that is right will create that uplift yeah. and that whoosh, even if it's subtle and that sense of expansion and that just settling in your bones of, oh yeah. And the chances are, particularly if you're rebranding to let, to step up into a new space and you've got aspirations, it will want you to move forward. Mm. It will make you get excited about it. If a first draft logo comes back or a vision comes back from the designer and you look at it and you, it drains your will to live. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's rarely going to be that extreme. Then, then it's not on the money, but it will normally make you go, oh my God, yes, I really want this. This is mm. mine. I want this to be out there. You know, so you're just going for whatever nuance of that feeling works for you, I think. Yeah. And, you know, when you're getting visuals back from a designer, obviously you're looking at so much of the detail, but initially it's your instinct that tells you, isn't it? How do you know? Yeah. So for me, I get a sense of frustration. Mm. And so this will happen. You know, I had a day with a client last week and we were trying to get to the clarity of her brand. And actually it took all day. And I still left with this slight sense of frustration that we hadn't quite got it because I know that when we get it, things are easy. Yeah. So for me, it's a sense of frustration or a sense of ease, mm. definitely. Generally with a client, especially on a day, I quite often have clarity in an hour. I've certainly mm. got it by lunchtime, generally. Mm. And yet this we hadn't got to it by the end of the day. And I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm terrible at my job. And, you know, what's, you know, it, or what's, what the hell's wrong with this client? It was neither of those things. Some projects are more complex than others, and that's okay. And I think, you know, what you do have is clarity around what you need clarity around and clarity around the questions that need answering. There's almost that sense that something hasn't quite slotted into place. Yeah. So I think the first thing, if I break it down, the first thing I'm looking at, you know, whether this, and I've, I've said that, you know, the vision, I'm encouraging designers to send back the vision before they do the design work because it saves a heap of time if yeah. the vision's off. Yeah. But what will often happen is the designer will present the vision as part of the presentation document. But you know, you know. So I think the first, the first layer is this, slotting into place and that's almost the base level of I don't want this to feel wrong I don't want it to feel off mm -hmm. yeah. and then 
what you're really looking for is that whoosh, that uplift. And the designer is capable of getting that as well. It's not something that's reserved for the clients. So the designer should have this as they work as much as the client should. And that's really, really important. It's something that we as an industry don't spend enough time doing. And I Mm -hmm. really want to change this. But we're digressing. Yeah. So you get your visuals back. And you've got this real sense of it's the right thing. So so the vision's got to be on point. That's the first thing. If the vision isn't on point, then you're missing opportunities. You're, Mm. you know, you're not really speaking to that specific nuance of what sets you apart Mm. or the specific, you know, there's a lot of precision, I guess, I'm trying to bring to this now around Mm. exactly who are we talking to, exactly how do we want this brand to feel, and mm. the semantics and the subtleties of all of that. So mm. you, you know, the vision needs to create that feeling. And then it is about the detail. So so look at it as a whole. Look at the logo. Look at the... Your mind will soak up the colour palette first because mm. that, that has the biggest sort of subconscious impact. But unless it's off, you probably won't notice it. Mm-hmm. So so really what, what you're looking at is well I always look at the typeface first because it's the font that for me carries all the character all the presence all the personality and and you're not just looking at do I like the font but you know how is it how does it feel what kind of spacing is around it what Mm. what how's it been paired is it uppercase is it lowercase is it sentence case all of those details have a specific impact Mm. on how the logo itself will feel and then I'd be looking at the supporting devices and and again looking at each of those so if there are illustrations do they do they feel right so if you're working on a brand that needs to feel artisan and organic and quite premium you probably don't want graphics that feel quite iconic and computer generated and Mm -hmm. chunky because that's going to directly jar Mm. with the feeling that you want to create if you've got a business that is say a bakery that specializes in refined sugar-free cakes and it comes back neon pink (laughs) which just says high sugar (laughs) it does high sugar (laughs) you know it's like that complete sugar rush yeah with a nice neon typeface yeah. perfect yeah so you you want to be looking at sort of that initial impression and then honing in on the detail and thinking well how does each of these things make me feel what feels right and what mm. feels off and I think I do emphasize and this isn't just to be politically correct or not to get myself into trouble but I do think things are right and they're off they're not right and they're wrong and this is where the nuance really comes in, is that when it feels right and everything slots into place, it just, everything makes sense, doesn't it? And you really do have that sense of momentum. When things feel off and they feel frustrated and you're like, I cannot go back to this designer again and ask for a fifth revision. You know, they're charging me more. It's getting annoying. My business partner's mm. fed up. I just need to get this thing signed up. That is not a place to begin your rebrand from. Yeah. And actually, do you want to explain as a coach why that well, that's a bad idea? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's any number of ideas, isn't it? 
<laughs> disrupts the relationship between the two of you. It drains your confidence. Yeah. It's nobody wants to do business that doesn't feel good. No. And if in the outset of creating this, the energy created around it will have a lasting impact. We've probably all at some point, particularly if you've been in business a while, had that experience of just fudging it for a while or just settling, settling mm. for something that yeah. isn't right. I'm not saying that all the businesses will tank off the back of that, but the potential that's missed when you don't have... You want to be able to shout about your rebrand from the rooftops. Yeah, absolutely. You know, politically, there are rebrands that, that get kind of sidled through and, and you know, particularly government organisations mm-hmm. don't want the public to know that they've just spent however much money on a rebrand. So they kind of get <laughs> shuffled through. Yeah. But, you know, most of us running small businesses, it's a marker in the sand of what you've achieved, Mm -hmm. where you're headed, what you want to be known for. It's a celebration of everything you do. Yeah. It deserves to be right. And it's important that it's right. And if you've invested in it as well, time and money, you want to see the value in every possible way of that investment. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just talk a little bit about scope of rebrand? Mm. because there's there's a complete rebrand and it'd be really good to understand what that actually looks like and then you're talking about all the way that the different devices that work and the different facets of your marketing and what you put out there whether it's your photography your typography your name mm. your logo and all of this when someone's looking at a rebrand firstly what's the scope of a usual rebrand and secondly do we always have to do that and how do we discern the difference yeah, it's a good question. Actually, you've made me think. <laughs> I just missed the whole point of a rebrand is that it's different to creating a brand, <laughs> and I've missed that crucial step. <laughs> so <laughs> you can leave all this in. <laughs> but essentially, there's a bit between crafting the vision, your vision, mm. and going out and commissioning a designer, where you say, okay. This is how my brand needs to feel. What, if anything, is doing that already? Yes. That's, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I was kind of leading you there. Um, So, um, you know, you might find that your logo is really timeless. Mm. And actually what we often do is we we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. So we think, oh, you know, I'm missing opportunities um, I'd better go straight to a brand designer and have the whole thing redone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, what I often find with clients is maybe the logo itself is right, but the photography is hideously dated. Mm-hmm. And the way that it's been styled, the mm-hmm. props that have been used, the the you know the the harshness or not of the of the edit and the light and the, mm. you know, maybe it's got studio lights. So it, it might be that actually it's much more about the photography. It might be that your website looks horrible, but that actually, again, the, the logo and the, and maybe even the photography is fine. Mm. Um, it could be that you've got some beautiful illustrations that feel really right, but the logo type, so the font, and the way that your name has been set out. Mm. It could be that so much about what your your visuals are look great, but that your name sets the wrong impression or the copy. 
you know, so it could be the words. So you really want to think about it quite strategically and think, you know, because none of us have unlimited budgets. Mm. So where, or amounts of time, where is my money best spent? What do I put the energy into? I think it's really important that you don't constrict yourself with, oh, we've just had a thousand bottles printed up, so therefore we can't change X, Y, Z. You know, if, if, if commercially there's a reason to rebrand, then that's the focus. Yes. You know, and you need to focus on that. Mm. And this takes me in two directions. So firstly, a sort of thrifty tip, if you like, or a bang for your buck tip. If somebody recognises that something's off, but they don't need to throw the whole lot out, Mm. of those things that you've mentioned, their photography, their logo, their illustrations, perhaps their name, perhaps their copy... And if someone wants to do this incrementally over time, for example, where might they start to have the biggest impression shift? Is is there some way? Is there one of those facets? Um, vision is the most important thing. I mean, I would say that because I create visions. <laughs> but, you know, you, you don't want to do this piecemeal. Yes. So you can do it incrementally, yeah. but you need to be working towards a goal yeah. that makes sense. So if you have that vision in place... So if you've got the vision... I mean, it really depends what your starting point is. But what I often find, and what your business is... Mm-hmm. So if your business is online only, often the right photography will make the biggest impact mm-hmm. in the shortest space of time. But it depends how how off the name is. It depends how bad the type of mm-hmm. is. Um, you know, just thinking about bang, bang for your buck... You can spend a huge amount of money on somebody bespoking a website for you. Mm -hmm. And actually, my favorite tip is spend your money on the branding and on the photography Mm. and get a Squarespace website because it is very difficult to mess one of those up. Right. (laughs) With the right branding. Yeah, but even with the wrong branding, you know, the days of when we had to learn all this code either to do bespoke content management systems or to Mm. sort of wrestle our way around a clunky WordPress site. It was very difficult to make a WordPress site website look good. Mm. Squarespace is the opposite to that. It's very difficult. You have to try really hard to to make it look bad. (laughs) Oh, I've done it, folks. Trust me. (laughs) So even if, you know, and I'm I'm not totally advocating this, but even if you take... A template straight out of the box. You don't change the color palette. You don't change the typefaces, and you just chuck your logo at the top, and you chuck your photography and your video in. Mm. You will have something that feels relatively high end, relatively yeah. bespoke. Now, yeah. that's not to say before everyone starts giving us one star reviews that <laughs> that's what I'm advocating. But honestly, if you're on a limited budget, don't mm. DIY your photography if you don't have the skill. Mm. you know don't cut those corners because particularly if you're an online only business that makes such a difference doesn't it that first impression yeah the colors and the imagery of the thing that speak to us first yeah and you can get away with if you're using your natural tone of voice and less is more as far Mm. as copy goes as long as you're not putting anything out there that's really risky you can get away with stripping back your copy because it can add as act as a supporter to your visuals but if your visuals are off that first impression people will bounce straight away from your site won't they they will but actually that's a great point about your tone of voice because often 
you know, if you've had a particular style of copywriter write your website and it is quite shouty and it's quite pushy mm. and that can, you know, that might be exactly, exactly what you need. You know, if you're someone who's coaching people in a very energizing and direct and bold way, that would be absolutely appropriate. Mm. But if you're in the kind of, in the gentler paced sort of more mm. ethereal space, you're right, just stripping out anything that feels wrong mm. can have a lot more impact. You know, that doesn't cost you any money. Mm. You know, mm. taking off the jarry, shouty photography, taking out the words that are literally shouting, taking out mm. the, you know, save my seat kind of... Mm. Hustle stuff. Yeah. I want to get into the downsides of this because having taken quite a few businesses through rebrands and that, you know, that tricky process, there is a potential cost, isn't there? Not just in the time and the the impact. And it's important to really get this right and to think ahead for this stuff. So particularly if you're growing your brand up and you're wanting to appeal to a different market, how do you manage the transition from your old market or if you're suddenly going to change your name, what do we have to consider when we're thinking about that stuff? I mean, I I like Rebrands Festival when they're a celebration of what you're already doing. And so mm-hmm. if it's a celebration, bring your clients along with you. You know, yeah. so tell them, make them feel amazing. You know, mm-hmm. they've, they've got you here. So mm-hmm. tell the story. And I think Rebrands very often take significantly longer than we think they will. Um, yeah. They can feel quite exposing. They can be quite frustrating if if the designer hasn't got that sense of resonance and and you're consistently getting things that don't feel right. That can have a huge impact on your own sense of momentum, confidence, mm. you know, energy forward. So I wouldn't recommend for that reason that you blog the process as it's happening. Because mm. it, it will take longer than you think. And if you then add the pressure of, oh, my God, but everyone's looking at this now and I'm going to look like such an idiot, mm. that's not helpful. Yeah. But I would recommend that you blog it, newsletter it, Instagram it, podcast mm. it, whatever you want to do after the fact. Mm. Is there any reason why we wouldn't do that? If it's not a celebration. So if you absolutely hate the business that you're running <laughs> and you hate the clients that you're serving. Yeah. You're trying and, to get rid of them. <laughs> and you're, yeah. And you're trying to completely pivot and move in another direction. I mean, that's probably then more of a question for you. <laughs> I'm going to turn that on to you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I think it's tricky. I'm thinking about a couple of clients of mine who on looking at their strategy and refining their process and being very clear about what they now want to be delivering, having that dread, re- dreaded realisation that, you know, one in particular, 60% of their client base was not who they wanted to be working with. Oh, and they yeah. needed to, I know, really, yeah. I mean, heartbreaking. Yeah. And so it's thinking, well, what are those people coming to you for? Mm. What are they looking at? What do they want to see? And what's going to very politely and very clearly tell them that you don't serve that anymore? Yeah. That was very easy in, you know, the days when you were selling print, wasn't it? It was the pilot high, sell it cheap, we're selling print, blah, blah, blah. You could just strip out all of that language, give the business a new name. But actually, interestingly with them, we never stopped serving those people. We had great relationships with them. 
we always valued that side of things because although it wasn't what we enjoyed or spent you know enjoyed spending our time doing it wasn't the the thing that got us out of bed in the morning it was a great way of maintaining relationships it was a really important part of building our business and getting our name out there and building our reputation so yeah we never I think the risk, to go back to your original question, the risk is you make people feel bad about themselves. You make them feel like they're no longer good enough, like you're this this big cool entity. Yeah, and that's not good for anybody. And also, there can be a process with a rebrand, I think, you know, thinking about this recognition that 60% of your clients are not the clients you want to work with. The chances are that they might not be because... You haven't educated them in the way that you want to work, that maybe your process needs refining, that they just need to have a clearer boundary. And and there's the potential that they can grow with you. So a lot of those clients in the printing franchise, they might only have come in the door originally for a couple Mm. of business cards and an A6 postcard. But over time, the new messaging that you were putting out inspired them. And you know what you're making me think of is what's happened with Instagram. Mm. Now, I'm not saying they've gone about it in the best way. And it's interesting talking to my 18-year-old about this because we're both at different ends of that spectrum and and we're like, well, who is their market? Because it's not the 18-year-olds. It's not, you know, people in their mid-40s, that's for sure. But Meta never did any big, we don't want this group of users on here anymore. (laughs) But what they have been very clear about, we might not like it, but they have been incredibly clear about the prioritising video, mm-hmm. algorithms, um, advertising. You know, they're, they're very clear on what direction they're taking. Yeah. And it is, it's not an enjoyable ride, but it is very much either you come along with us or you don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and a business of that size, maybe can take that risk and I think what you're alluding to is there's a kinder slightly more gentler slightly classier way of doing things actually (laughs) thank you Meta we'd like to be valued for our years of custom Um, well and and that just I mean without digressing too much that makes absolutely no commercial sense why buy a thriving social media platform that has had a real space in the market that was doing something incredibly unique that people loved and turn it on its head. It makes no sense. But I think, you know, there people worry about this risk of rebranding and clients feeling left behind. Mm. But I think what we're both saying is often that won't be the case. Yeah. Yeah, they can grow with you. Yeah. Just while we're on this thread of the, the potential downsides, is there any reason why somebody, even if their brand isn't quite working for them. Is there any reason why someone would put off a rebrand? Well, money often is the biggest thing, Mm. but also bandwidth and a lack of clarity. Mm. So you might have a sense that your brand could serve you better. You might have a sense that you want to go in a new direction. You might have a sense that you're losing business because you're not creating the right impact. Mm. But if you don't have absolute clarity around what you want to be known for, who you want to be talking to and how your brand needs to feel, Mm. you're not going to be in a position to give the designer 
the information that they need for them to build that sense of resonance to then create something that goes on Mm. to last you for another decade Mm. and I'm thinking about that balance between getting that clarity having the bandwidth to get that clarity you know Mm. in a busy business that maybe if you if you're in a business that you know like that client I was talking about 60% are hard to please clients that demand a lot. So you're in the busy of the business a lot. You need the space yeah. to find the clarity. You may not be generating quite the revenue that you need to yet. So you know you've got to do a rebound. You know you've got to get that clarity. It's going to take a bit of time. Then for me, I'd be majoring on how do I maintain my confidence, my inspiration, and my get up and go for my business whilst all this is in process. Yeah. And I think that is the work of a good, and I emphasise the word good, coach. Mm. There's a lot of stuff before you can get to that point of finding your magic of working out what this business actually is. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and how you manage that tension between I'm operating, once you know you need to rebrand, yeah. it creates a tension in you. It can be quite it? frustrating Very again. Frustrating. And that yeah. can either have the impact of motivating us or it can have the impact of switching us off to the work that we're going to do it is worth bearing in mind that once you've got to that point of frustration and you know you need to rebrand it's going to take six months yeah yeah you know realistically by the time you have found a designer got them to start um worked through the development process got your website up and running you know written your copy got your photography in place six months is ambitious Mm. Okay, that's really useful. So don't leave it too long. You know, you don't want to be in that tension state of knowing it's not right and putting it off. And I I also think it's really important to remember that this is a business mm. and it needs investing in. You know, when you're at a point where you're rebranding, you're generally beyond that point of making only emotional decisions you're making strategically commercial decisions and if you want to grow your business and you want to take it in a new direction or you want to appeal to a new market or you just want to kind of solidify everything that you're doing Mm. that investment will pay off as long as uh, and i don't think now is the time to talk about pricing Mm -hmm. in the design industry Um, but there is a range of pricing and some of it is is a, is value for money and you know you need to be careful if you're in that state that you don't end up mm, over investing yeah. definitely you know, that you you are being careful about who you work with and what they're capable of delivering and you know doing some checks and balances around is their pricing fair mm, yeah okay so let's come full circle back around imagine that we've gone on this journey of having that real clarity getting the vision finding the right designer getting that sense check on the vision checking everything that comes back against against that feeling that resonance that essence you're looking at your colors you're looking at typography you're looking at your website your illustrations your copy your logo your name your strap line even and you've got all that in place and you're celebrating it so you've sent out your emails and you've done your instagram and you've done all that paint the picture of the commercial impact of that for a business yeah I mean it 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 makes it easier to do business it makes it easier to win business Mm. you know you talked a couple of times about my print franchise and and there was a point I think it was 2008 
nine, I can't remember when, nine, I think, where I bought myself out of the franchise and suddenly I could call myself whatever I wanted. So we we started, I mean, it was effectively a rebrand because we were branding the business that I was already running, mm. but it had a stupid name that didn't didn't reflect what we offered. And I... I remember, you know, and this is a very extreme example, and most people won't be going through this, but, you know, up until that point, winning work had always been about showcasing my expertise, my passion, my my vision for what we could do, connecting with people, showing them that we understood them, and and really going through that sales process. Mm. Um, I don't think we ever won work that wasn't recommended at that point. And I remember our website for the new design agency going live and it, it had a you know name that really reflected what we delivered for mm. people and the branding was gorgeous and, and very ahead of its time. Mm. And I remember just taking this phone call from this guy who went, I've been looking on your website and it looks like exactly what I'm looking for. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> you've never heard of him before. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds really naive, but I just, I think you can really underestimate the power that this stuff can have when you just get it right. And obviously, you know, it's an extreme example and most people, it will be much more subtle than that. But yeah, I mean, he went on to be a great Yeah, and that's the point when that business went global as well, wasn't it? You started to get noticed across the Mm. board. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's also that sense of momentum, confidence that you talked about mm-hmm. earlier as the entrepreneur, isn't it? That suddenly you feel proud that this is your business, but you also have this unstoppable force in you that just wants to share what you're doing with the world. And that enthusiasm has a really powerful impact commercially. Amazing. So if there was one thing that you absolutely want anyone considering a rebrand to remember, what is it? Be strategic. Do not just race out and commission something aesthetic. Think really hard about what impact you want to create and find someone who's capable of delivering at that level. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. How exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in to Style and Substance. We really hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.